Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 12 of Shane Sports of New York Plus, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SonyPlus.com, among many other media outlets. I am your host, Shane Palma, and today will most likely be, but probably not, the last fantasy football show for a good while. I mean, it's the season, so you really can't blame me. And I promise that this one will certainly be a good one. Uh, Today's episode is going to focus more on breaking down my home league draft that I just had last Tuesday night. It was a uh, PPR league, 12 teams, decent amount of money on the line, $30 a person. And I am joined by one of the members of the league. He was on the show last time. You know him, you love him. Chris Ventra. (laughs) What is up, Shane? What is up, everybody? It is your boy, The Closer. What's going on? Um, Fun draft. Uh, What do you mean last podcast for football for a while? Well, you know, Sony Sony Plus is not exclusively fantasy football. I know some people want to hear Mm some NFL regular season predictions and some MLB playoff predictions. So I I promise the the listeners that we're going to have some more content out there besides just fantasy football, although I do love it. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you should talk regular NFL, too. I love talking regular NFL. I'm with you with that. Uh, MLB, I mean, and people don't realize that now's a big time in fantasy baseball. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, it's playoff time right now. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know how many listeners out there play fantasy baseball like we do, but, yes, we're coming down to the crunch time weeks for fantasy baseball. Only a few weeks left. I got to make the playoffs. I don't think you're going to make the playoffs, but it's been an interesting season in that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in that league, uh, just a little short, but uh, it's all right. I made pretty much, uh, I made like four out of six leagues, so. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good season. And, you know, we don't want to, let's not dwindle on baseball too much. People aren't here for that. They're here for the football. And yeah. before we get into like the full breakdown of the draft, uh, a big portion of last episode was spent on Ezekiel Elliott. And I know uh, the day after that we did the podcast, you were on the Fantasy Football Frenzy show that you host during the week. Um, mm-hmm. And you brought up Ezekiel Elliott again, and, and you got George Kurt and Jim Day. They, they talked about it. And just, I don't know if you saw, but literally an hour ago in our league, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was traded uh, straight up for Dalvin Cook. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I certainly have mine, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, um, so first of all, it seems like even in fantasy baseball and now fantasy football, I don't know if it's the same kids that you play that, <laughs> that are playing these sports, but it seems like they love to trade. Everyone loves kids. it. Trading is one of the most fun things in all fantasy sports in general, so I can't blame them. I understand that, and you know what? I know when I was younger, when I was like your age and uh, younger, like I, I felt the same way, but as you get older, you realize that, yeah, I mean, it's fun and stuff, but it also could be a huge detriment to your fantasy team. Um, there's been plenty of trades I made in the past where, you know, I just wanted to trade and it ended up really screwing me. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, in the last three, four years, I, I've probably made a couple trades in all fantasy sports and I've been doing a lot better. So it's not always the smart choice is what I'm saying. Yeah, You can't just trade just to trade. I know it's fun. But uh, and I've already got a ton of offers. I feel like uh, in this league, <laughs> but some of them are just a little absurd. Yeah, um, well, Dal- that's what Dal- these guys Cook. are gonna do. What's that? That's what these guys are gonna do to you. This is one of those leagues where if you have players on your team that someone likes, they're gonna try to get them. Yeah, I see this trade. Um, yeah, and I got offered one that was re- one recently. It was crazy uh, from one in your league, and it was um, I believe. 
he wanted to give me Russell Wilson. Oh, that's Pat Fagan. <laughs> for Cooper Cup and Lamar Jackson, I think. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you can quickly decline that one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> broke down like, wait, wait. Lamar Jackson First last all, time. Yeah, Cooper Cup by himself has way more value than Russell Wilson. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Jackson and Cooper Cup, not happening. But Dalvin Cook for Zeke Elliott. If I was the person who had Dalvin Cook, I mean, it depends on the team you have built, I guess. But I would not give up Dalvin Cook for Zeke Elliott right now. I know. I'm just, you're a big, I'm you're a big Cook guy. What's that? You're a big Dalvin Cook guy. I know you You think he's going to finish as a top five running back anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's going to end up being the uh, the breakout, like, non-elite running back right now. Like, he's going to be the guy that jumps up the most in terms of where he's going. And he's going in the second round. So, it's not, so a lot of people believe the same thing. But uh, really about with him, it's about health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks absolutely fantastic. You saw that. That ridiculous run in um, in preseason where he just found a hole, cut up one guy, and just basically burnt everybody yeah. else um, for the touchdown. But <clears throat> I don't know. Zeke worries me. I mean, he's gotten offered deals, uh, a deal that was the second highest uh, amongst running active running backs right now, and declined it. Uh, someone recently said, but you know, this might be just fake news or clickbait, but basically said that looks like he's probably going to hold out at least for the first six weeks or something like that. Uh, I don't believe that nonsense. I just think that it's just sketchy in general. And I said it on the frenzy. I just think that if you're going to draft him, yeah, you could draft him if you're in 10 leagues and draft him in one or two of them. That's cool. But if you're only in one league and it's a big money league and it's a lot of money for you, I don't think I would take that chance. Um, I would have to look at these teams to see if I think this trade is that good, but I don't know. Right now, just looking at a face value, I know Zeke is the higher pick, but I wouldn't personally give up Dalvin Cook for Zeke Elliott. Unless my team's completely stacked at running back. And, you know, that's a league winner, Zeke, possibly. But I also think Dalvin Cook's going to be a league winner, you know? So, yeah. I just wouldn't do it. I know. What do you th- the, uh, the person, Chris Clune, who traded uh, Dalvin Cook away. He had James Conner and Damian Williams as his other running backs, so he he had a little bit of depth there. But behind him, he took a lot of wide receivers in the rounds following, like Jarvis Landry, Robert Woods, Robbie Anderson, Will Fuller. So he he wasn't too particularly deep at running back. So and he doesn't have Tony Pollard, and that's what I wanted to get into because I hold Tony Pollard in this league, and I got him in the last round of this draft, and we didn't mm-hmm. mention him really at all last time, and. I don't think people are really understanding that he could hold a lot of value as an RB2 if if Zeke isn't there and he's the featured back behind the Cowboys offensive line. So, Ventra, how high would you draft Tony Pollard pulling him up? Well, where did you draft him, you said? In the last round, round 16. Yeah, see, that's amazing value. Um, you're right. Uh, right now, Tony Pollard holds like just a ton of value because – and I think – there's even higher upside than just RB2 value. I'm, you, you could be talking about possibly RB1 for a lot of the weeks of the season because, listen, there's nobody really there taking away touches. Alfred Moore, like who's there that's going to really take away a lot of touches from Pollard? No one. Um, yeah, and I'm sure they're going to use other backs, of course. Every team does. People don't realize that, you know, like Devonta Freeman, any running back that's a starting running back is probably getting – anywhere from 55% 
to 65% of the touches at running back. That's the majority share. And you would think that's not that much, but that really is, you know, a lot. Yeah. Uh, you could get an RB one out of a guy getting 60% of the touches. Now, obviously there's running backs who get 70 to 80 and you're talking about the bell cows like Zeke when he's on the field or, you know, um, Saquon Barkley, like those guys are getting 80, 90. Uh, but you can get value out of those guys. So Pollard, if he gets 60% of the touches, he could be an RB1 because you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys offensive line here. Probably the best in football. Uh, you got Dak Prescott, who's a very good young quarterback. Uh, you have Amari Cooper. You, I mean, this offense isn't that bad. Uh, it's pretty pretty good, actually. And I think that Pollard could be an RB2, RB1, like you said. So the value is fantastic. You got him that late. In most drafts, you're not. This is more of a... I think a lot of people in these type of leagues where you got your home leagues, a lot of people tend to shy away from a lot of the rookies because they just don't know enough about them. Maybe they don't do the research or maybe they just don't trust them and they don't know what they're going to do. But in expert leagues and a lot of O leagues, Pollard's going a lot higher than that. Pollard's going in rounds 10, 9, 10, 11, something like that. And I would still so, take him there. Still value. Still value. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, I think that that was a great pick by you and now you have a bargaining chip also. Uh, so I think that's, that, that's something you could, you could turn into something even bigger, but right now let's see what happens. I don't know. I, I just think I'm looking at the kid Clune's team, Chris Clune, and, uh, you know, you replaced Dalvin cook with who, who he had on his bench for some reason, but he would have really started him over Will Fuller who he has in flex. But now you got Zeke. So I understand the move. He has two good running backs in James Conner and Damian Williams. Dalvin Cook, who was really his number two running back to yeah. me, uh, now he gets rid of him for Zeke. That's a move that you make when you're trying to win a league, and I, I like that. Uh, for this team, I like it. He has good. He has a good team. Uh, I, yeah. I don't like his tight end much in Kyle Rudolph. I think that's kind of weak, but – Mark Andrews could end up being a starter anyway. Uh, I don't like really his depth very much. For some reason, he has a second defense. <laughs> Not sure why, but uh, he he basically he doesn't have he has Ito Smith is his next running back after those big three that I mentioned. So the depth isn't great. So if Zeke's out, he could survive on Connor and Williams. But if someone else goes down, he might be in trouble. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to work out for him. But listen, if you want to win a league and you want to be aggressive, I'm all for it. Go for Zeke. I just, I, I just like Dalvin cook a lot. So I, for me, it's hard for me to do that, but I don't think it's a terrible move. Yeah. And I totally agree. Case. And and looking back at it now, I, I misspoke. I got him in round 15 out of 16, Tony Pollard, which is still insane value. And yeah, then the round before great. that, we were talking about shying away from rookie running backs. And I also hold leverage over the Dalvin Cook owner because I drafted Alexander Madison in round 14 out of 16. So I definitely think that, well, I'm going to ask your opinion too, but having uh, a backup to a player who's as injury prone as Dalvin Cook, um, especially in a role where he could have value standalone with Dalvin mm -hmm. Cook even there. So, Venture, what are you? What are your thoughts on drafting Alexander Madison uh, as like you know a fourth, fifth running back on a team, but also using him as a trade chip for the Dalvin Cook owner? Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think that Alexander Madison's a, a solid late round draft pick. Um, 
he's a handcuff really. Um, and you know, a lot of handcuffs, see the thing with handcuffs is there's some handcuffs that have very little value, uh, that people don't talk about. For instance, Jordan Scarlett on the, uh, Carolina Panthers, who's the handcuff to Christian McCaffrey. Now, I think that's a pretty solid handcuff got to have in deeper leagues because if McCaffrey goes down, that's the guy who's going to get majority of the touches on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just like but for some reason, Alexander Madison is the guy that's getting hyped up way more right now. And it's not for some reason. It's for good reason. I, I get Dalvin Cook has been injured the first two years of his career. My thing with Dalvin Cook is, is that I think that, you know, the ACL tear – it happens. Listen, people get injured. If you get an ACL tear, it's not like he's injury prone where he's had multiple different nagging injuries that have hindered him multiple weeks throughout his career. He's had one big injury. Uh, and, you know, he's also had an inj- a big injury in his first season. But since then, at the end of last season, he was he looked fantastic. Uh, and in preseason, he looks fantastic. It looks like that injury is way behind him at this point. So I'm not worried about Dalvin Cook. But I do think Alexander Madison still has value. I just think that people are kind of overhyping that value a little bit right now just because people think that Dalvin Cook could easily go down. Uh, but I think that he could – He it's. I don't think he's injury prone. I don't think you could throw that tag on him just yet. Yes, we're concerned about injury with him, but I don't think he's injury prone. I just think that people think he's way more injury prone than everyone else. And I don't think that's the case. I think that Dalvin Cook is just as likely to go down as anybody else. I think anybody else could go down, could get hurt or get an ACL tear just as much as everyone else. I mean, look, Lamar Miller got an ACL tear in preseason. That guy's been pretty steady throughout his career. He really hasn't had much injuries. Uh, So it really could happen to anyone. Injuries are a thing I don't concern myself with unless the guy is injured right now. If the guy's not injured right now, I'm all in on the guy. I'm not worried about past injuries unless it's been something that's literally hindered him throughout every single season of his career. And it be, and it's really a reoccurring theme for cook. He hasn't been around that long to really throw that tag on him. Uh, but I, I, I like Alexander Madison. He's a talented kid. He's a young kid. He's got a lot of upside. So yes, solid handcuff. I think he's more of an RB six okay. than anything else though. Cause I think handcuffs in general, Okay, I know you think he has standalone value, but I just don't know if he's going to get enough touches to be a guy that you plug in your flex on a bye week or something like that. He might. I just don't know if he will be. I think it's just going to be a majority of Dalvin Cook, and that's pretty much it. Uh, You'll see some Madison in there here and there, but he would have to get like a touchdown or, you know, have a bunch of catches to do damage. I don't know if he's going to get that. Uh, So RB6 meaning, you know, when I build my rosters, I want my two my two starting running backs. I usually want a third my RB three to be a guy that I could plug in my flex that has value as a starter. So I want three good running backs on my team. Um, you know, I'm talking RB three being like a Tariq Cohen, uh, a Duke Duke Johnson who, who's ha- whose value skyrocketing right now. He's my RB two. That's your RB two. That, that's great. I think because he should be, but he's going in the fifth round, so there's still value there. Yeah. Um, but there's guys like James White, those pass catchers in particular, because most of us play in PPR leagues at this point. Uh, those pass catchers give you a high floor, and I think they're great flex plays. So my RB3, I always wanted to be a guy that I could play. So Madison doesn't really fit that mold yet. Uh, and my RB4 is a guy that I think could have a, a lot of value, is going to get some volume this year, but we don't know how much. 
maybe like a Madison, but I'm more like a, a Penny, who I know is going to get targets in the passing game. And that's important to me in a PPR league. So, like a Penny, I think, is a great RB4. Um, you know, Lamar Miller, when he was healthy. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys. Uh, I'm sorry. Derek What's his Dice. name? Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones might be a nice RB4 because he's splitting carries with Peyton Barber. Like, guys that I know are going to get 10 touches or more or around that range, those are guys that I think fit the RB4 mold that you might be able to plug into the flex at points. So maybe Madison's an RB5 for me, RB4, RB5. Because I just don't know if he's going to get those touches that you're saying. I mean, there are reports he is, but, like, he, you need to get 10 touches minimum to be in the fantasy relevance conversation. If you're getting five, that's not going to cut it unless you get a touchdown, you know? And you, you mentioned a point before that I want to hit back on because it flows in perfectly to what I was going to say next, and that was you don't like to – you're either all in or all out on a player depending on their injury history right now um, or in the past, and you don't like to count the past so you look at right now. But one player who, again, we didn't hit on much last time is Todd Gurley who is not injured, but he has the the tendonitis in his knees that right. could keep him injured. And you drafted as your fourth running back, Daryl Henderson Jr. So what are your thoughts on his value? Okay, so my, uh, my thing with Gurley, first of all, is that I think Zeke Gurley and Melvin Gordon are three of the hardest players for me to judge right now, obviously. Um, it's hard to know where to draft these guys. Like I, I would not take them where they're going, but I would take them at values. Maybe not Melvin Gordon as much. I'm kind of almost completely off Melvin Gordon at, the, at this point. I, I don't care what the report said that he might come back week one and all that. I, I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's nonsense. I, I think the chargers will not give this guy anything. They don't want to pay him. Uh, they don't want to pay him. So, uh, and they'll be just fine with Adam. So I think that Melvin Gordon might miss this whole season. I think it's a good shot. So, but, but in terms of Gurley, he's right now, he's a, he's a player. He's going to play. He's going to get his touches. And, yeah, he might not get the touches that we've seen in the past, but I think Todd Gurley is a special running back. This is a, you know, a gen, I would say a generational talent, but like a once-in-a-decade type guy, like an Adrian Peterson, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he also catches passes. That's the other thing. It adds value to him in PPR. So – I would spend a late second round pick on Todd Gurley. I think that Gurley is efficient enough to give you RB2, high end RB2 numbers on a consistent basis. I know a lot of people are down on him, and I think that's what's driving him down right now. Uh, but for me personally, like I said, if you're healthy now, I'm going to draft you. Uh, I, I don't see, I know there's tendonitis and there's reports of this and that, but he's not a guy who has a ton of injury history. He's had an injury in the past before this, but for the most part, he's played a lot of, you know, most of his career uh, and he's played at extremely high level most of his career. So if he's an RB two, you're getting him late in the second round uh, and he gives you high RB two numbers. I think you're okay with it. Uh, And and sometimes he might pop for those 30, 35 point fantasy days because he's just that good. Now it is a risk of course, but so is most guys. I mean, after the first few rounds, you know, you're talking about a lot of people are risks in terms of volume and injury and this mm-hmm. and that. So Daryl Henderson thing, for me, it was just, okay, I have three really good running backs right now. 
so I didn't take a running back for a while. I went more wide receiver heavy later because I feel like my wide receivers are, are my weaker point as opposed to my running backs. But I do think Daryl Henderson has standalone value in the sense that he's a, he's a very good pass catcher. Uh, he's going to be that type of running back, a third down back. And because they're going to cut down Gurley's work, I think that's the biggest concern with Gurley is that his work's getting cut down. Now, do I think that hinders his value a little bit? But like I said, I think he's still efficient enough to be a solid high-end RB2. He's not going to be the elite guy you wanted. But Daryl Henderson could be that flex play. Uh, and I got him on my bench right now. So I think that's a great bench guy to have. You're talking about a guy that might catch three to five passes a game. Add in a touchdown every three or four games. Add in, you know, 50 to 70 yards or something like that because he's also going to get carries. That's a flex play on certain weeks. Now, do I trust him? Not really. But you're in the range where you're taking these running backs. I waited late. I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what round I got Daryl Henderson. But uh, at that point, I thought he was the best available running back that has the best opportunity on the board. He's on the Los Angeles Rams who the offense. I mean, you're talking about top three offense, top-notch offense, I'll take that running back every day in a PPR league. Uh, this is the first league I have him in, so I'm happy about that too. Uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, he's not going to play for me. He's not going to play for me, but yeah. there might be a lot of upside here. Yeah, and looking, looking, you took him in uh, with the second pick of round 11. There wasn't a running back that went behind him that round. After that, it was Deion Lewis, uh, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Adrian Peterson. So those are just a few of the guys that you drafted him over, which is definitely, I think that's pretty good value to get him in the 11th round as a guy who, mm-hmm. like, like I had mentioned before with standalone value for a backup running back, uh, that he could yeah. have. And I, uh, I know we're taking this a little backwards here, but with my second pick in, in this draft where I held the sixth pick to start, um, I drafted Joe Mixon and that was the one decision where I had to decide, do I want to go for the potential upside of Todd Gurley or take Joe Mixon, who, you know, he's probably on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to the offense and the offensive line in the NFL. But yeah. I just, I just, for some reason, it's I just, a tough spot. Yeah. It's and I, spot. I trusted Joe Mixon just a little bit more um, just because there's, there's no concerns really for me. And there's no competition at all behind him. And I just want, what are you, what are yours? What's your opinion on that uh, venture? Just because I, I don't know. I just girly went two picks after that, so it wasn't right. like I was too far off in my decision making. No, no, no. I mean, listen. I think it's a. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that decision. You shouldn't feel uh, like, you know, you made the wrong decision or something like that. Um, I do want to ask you this before we go right into that. Of course. Because on the last podcast, you were telling me how, you know, you really want to go wide receiver heavy. Yeah. Yep. And you went with a running back in round two. So, what's your thought process? behind that first that's what i was kind of thinking about yeah and i definitely i meant to bring this up and we'll talk about it now but i felt as soon as this draft started that it was going to be a disaster i don't know why but as soon as i saw all these (laughs) wide receivers going a row i'm like all right maybe i can land juju somehow maybe travis kelsey will fall to me tyree kill mike evans and i guess i just talked too much on here and people know my strategies in front of me and all of them just went and then all of a sudden i'm staring at running backs in front of me and wide receivers like Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown that maybe will go in the early third round right now. And I didn't want to pull them too far up the board. And I I literally, I I panicked and I went with the running back and I'm not totally mad at it looking at it now because I think Joe Mixon was a great pick where I got him. Yeah. You didn't, I mean, I wouldn't say you panicked. I would say that you had to adjust your dress. I see that's the thing with, this is why 
on the last podcast I was trying to explain, like I like your I like your idea of going wide receivers very early. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Wide receivers are usually safer. Uh, you know that they're going to get the volume because there's usually at least two wide receivers on the field at any given time. So you're talking about wide receivers. They play 100% of the snaps. Yeah. Running backs do not play 100% of the snaps. So they don't have the opportunity that a lot of these wide receivers do. Plus, wide receivers are just – they just for some reason go later than – you know, the top running backs, because obviously the top running backs are harder to come by. Um, so you're getting greater value at the wide receiver position later than you are at running back uh, in the early rounds, at least. So that's why I like your strategy. But at the same time, like I said, you got to adjust sometimes. And now you're going to realize now that you're doing a lot of podcasts, you got Sony Plus and all this <laughs> stuff, which is great. Uh, and I realized this, too, when I started talking about my, you know, when I started talking live on fantasy football frenzy and just in general uh you know my home league draft people were sniping guys that i loved right before my picks uh because i I, i'm almost certain they they watched and they know who i like and you know i had to adjust and i learned the hard way in that draft that first time that you know i started really talking on youtube and all that uh that people were just taking the guys that i like (laughs) and i love uh so you know it kind of pissed me off at the time but I learned to adjust over time and you have to have other guys, you know, just in the back of your mind or you just got to look at the board and say, what's the best value here sometimes. So I like what you did there. Cause I think that Joe Mixon was, was probably the best value on the board there. I think you're right. Um, and I'm looking at the draft board right now. You know, you took Mixon at two, seven. So round two, pick seven, yep. uh, Antonio Brown went next, which I think, that's not a value, I think, there. I think that's kind of a reach because yeah. I think you could get Antonio in the third round. Uh, Gurley went soon after, and I think that – honestly, that was – it was between mixing and Gurley right there for yeah, you. and that was uh, and you, were, you went the safer route, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, I think for me, if I was in your position and if I did, I had to do that five to- – uh, five, six times, let's say, I would have picked Mixon three times. I would have picked Gurley three times. So – you know, I would I would have been in the same boat as you. I think it depends. A lot of this stuff depends on how many leagues you play in, and 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 things like that. Because if you're a person who is only in one or two leagues, and you know you don't have the money to really play in a ton of leagues, I would say go the safer round, go with mixing. Okay, but if I, if you're a person that's in ten leagues, like me, like I'm in eight right now, I might add a you know a couple more before the season starts. Yeah. So I'm in eight leagues, and if I'm in this spot eight times. I'm probably taking Mixon three times and I'm taking Gurley five times because I'm more a little more aggressive at times and I'm going to go for league winners, the guys with the higher upside. And I think Gurley, just because of the offense that he's in, still has higher upside than Mixon. I know Mixon's a great running back. Don't get me wrong. Great running back. But just not on a good team. Bad offense, bad offensive line. Uh, A.J. Green's hurt. He, he's supposed to be out only three weeks, but we don't really know for sure. Like He might come back and get re-injured right away or he might come back and not play well uh you're talking about a pretty stagnant offense here in cincinnati so but mixon is the highlight of that offense right now so that's good you got a guy who who you know is going to get a lot of volume he has no real injury history uh very safe i like the pick Uh, i'm just saying in eight leagues i'm drafting Gurley five times i'm drafting mixon three so that's just me because I would I would like to go for the league winners when I can. And I think there's some value to be had in the late second round for Gurley. I think there is. 
I can't discredit you for that. I totally agree. And if I, if it was me between two times, if I was in the spot twice, I probably would go girly the other time just because I you right. know, try something different. And, you know, let's let's start to break down more of our picks and start to talk more about our players. So I know second overall, you took Christian McCaffrey. Not much to say there. Um, he's a stud. You would draft him there. And we talked about him last episode. And Cam Newton's fine. And he'll play week one. So there's no need to adjust McCaffrey's value. And then sixth pick, as I've said before, I'm high on Devontae Adams. I think he can finish as the number one wide receiver. So I took him at six. I Great moved pick. back to six for a reason. And I got him. Uh, and then obviously, like we said, I got Joe Mix in the second round. And then you, with your uh, 11th pick of the second round and second pick of the third round, wrapped around with Adam Thielen and Carrion Johnson, which I love. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you know what? Because honestly, once you start heading into the second round, right after, honestly, you got that part of the draft where you're, you're almost fortunate because. Mixon and Gurley to me are like the end of that tier of like a tier for me where there's kind of a drop off of talent or of certainty. Um, It's just because, look, look, after that Antonio Brown goes, I kind of feel like he's out of place in this round here. But then Gurley goes. But then after that, there's this this two, three turns, a tough spot. I've been hearing a lot of guys talk about it. On podcasts, why Sports Network, um, just a lot of the analysts are saying that two three turn is a really dead. It's a dead zone. It's a tough spot because you got a lot of running backs here that are just iffy. Eh, they're iffy. You know, and you don't and you don't love have, them. Go ahead. You don't know those running backs. You just don't love enough to feel like you should take them there. And I totally get that. Right, right. The running backs are kind of like. Yeah, they're talented, and you know there's upside with some of these. Like Aaron Jones went three one, um, you know, and I don't fault the kid for taking Aaron Jones there. And you know, then you know you had, um, well, that's the thing. Here's the here's the thing about this tier. I think it, a lot of it depends rides on who you really like in this tier because in this round, this two three turn because a lot of the receivers going here have question marks in terms of injury, aka Amari Cooper who went two twelve. Keenan Allen, who's had a long injury history, 210. Antonio Brown with his antics, went 28. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, Tyler Lockett, you're in that range. He went 3-2, Which is a bit know, high. Then, go ahead. That's def- I definitely think that was a little bit of a reach there. That itself. was a reach because you had Stefan Diggs going 3-8, and that's a steal. Yeah. Um, I think that was a very good pick, 3-8, Stefan Diggs. But this tier of wide receivers and running backs is a tough tier because – there's a lot of question marks everywhere in terms of all the running backs and wide receivers. You could even go with one of the tight ends here if you want. You know, Ertz went three seven. I don't think that's a bad pick either. Um, but for me, the guy I want in this two three turn, and I've been saying it all year. If I have the first, second, or third pick, and I'm near that two three turn, the guys I'm targeting are Adam Thielen and uh, Antonio Brown, maybe in the three turn. But Antonio obviously went two eight, so I couldn't take him. Uh, but I was going to go Thielen anyway mm-hmm. at 211. That was my target because Thielen is just so safe. Yeah. And I, don't, I know everybody says, oh, well, he had that monster first half, but then he fell off tremendously in the second half. Uh, the, a new offensive coordinator came in in those last three games of the season. He did nothing pretty much. Okay, sure. But first of all, that's three games at the very end of the season. That's a very small sample size to go by for something negative when he just had – one of the most historic first halves in NFL history. Exactly. Uh, 
And yeah, his second half wasn't as good as the, as the first half. Of course it wasn't. He had an absolutely ridiculous first half. He had 100 yards receiving in every single game of the first half. I mean, what do you expect? Do you expect him to have a better first, second <laughs> half or, or the same second half? Then we'd be talking about this guy in the first round. You know, then we'd literally just be talking about him in the fir- as a first round pick. Yeah. Um, but he didn't do that. I mean, because that was stuff going to happen. I mean, it's regression to the mean. It's just the way things are. Um, but people say his second half wasn't good. It was still good. He still had a good second half. Yeah, he had his down games. But even his duds weren't that bad. He's a safe, safe se- pick for me, I think. Absolutely. And I think that this Vikings offense, people talk about how they're going to run heavy this year. Sure, that's fine. But people don't realize – like that's the thing. You could skew stats and, and just skew things into what you want them to sound like. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily the truth. So people are heavy on this, oh, they're going to run the ball so much. I just don't see the value in these Vikings wide receivers. See, that's just too vague. If you look at the stats and you look at last year, the Vikings threw the ball, I think, third or fourth most out of any other team in the NFL. I think there was only three teams that threw the ball more, and that was the Steelers, the Packers, and the Chiefs. Um, So those three teams threw the ball the most. They were fourth. They threw the ball sixty over 64% of the time. That's ridiculously high for an NFL team to do. Of course they're going to want to run the ball more this year. Nobody wants to throw the ball 64% of the time if they don't have to. No. Okay? Yes, in this year, in this NFL, this day and age in NFL, I'd say about 58% is about the average of what a team's going to throw the ball. Uh, because that's just the way it is. Back in the day, it used to be more like 55% is a lot. 58% is the most a team's going to throw. 60 is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Now 60 is like kind of becoming the norm, 60% passing the ball that, am- that amount of times for a team. But even with them running the ball more, let's say they run the ball from six, they go down 10% to, to 55% of the time. They're still throwing the ball 55% of the time. So they're still throwing the ball way more, uh, not way more, more than they're, than they're running the ball. Yeah, it's so still that, top in the league. So the, Exactly. So those passes are going to have to go to somebody. And guess who? Guess what? The Vikings only have three really viable wide receivers. And it's that's Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen for the most part, and then Kyle Rudolph, who's a far third because, let's face it, last year, a down year, people were hyped about him the year uh, going into last year. I was off that bandwagon because I watched Kyle Rudolph play. You got to watch these guys play sometimes and realize that Kyle Rudolph is just a big target red zone tight end. He's not super athletic. He's not fast whatsoever he's just he's got good hands and he's a red zone target that's great he's a decent tight end but he's not a great tight end by any means he's not O'Day Howard Evan Ingram or Hunter Henry talented he's okay so the tar- targets here really are Thielen and Diggs they don't really have a wide receiver they were actually looking to trade that wide receiver three uh Laquan Treadwell so they don't have much else after that. Dalvin Cook will get his passes out of the passing game too. But for the most part, it's dealing in things. And I think that's where you're going to make your money in rounds – at the end of round two, beginning of round three, take the Vikings wide receivers. Do not listen to these guys saying that, oh, they're running more. I don't want to touch these Vikings wide receiver. That's nonsense. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs have been in the top three rounds for the last two years in a row. There's a reason for that. They're reliable, they're talented, and they're, and they're safe, both of them. I like them both. I just like Thielen more because I think Thielen is just a better overall wide receiver than than Stephon Diggs. Diggs have, has a lot of upside because he's really fast, but Thielen's just like so good at route running and the things that you don't see unless you watch the games. Uh, 
He's big. He's, you know, 6'2", or, or whatever, and, and he's 200-something pounds, 210 pounds, whatever. He, he can box people out. He runs great routes. He gets separation, and he's got unbelievable hands. So he's going to give you consistency at the wide receiver position, and he has wide receiver one upside because, let's face it, he was a wide receiver one last year. So I think as my first wide receiver one off the board, I think that was a, a safe, good pick, and I'm going to do that every time. I just love Adam Thielen. Then on the turn, I think uh, Kerryon Johnson at 3-2 right now is uh, – I'm not going to say a steal at 3-2, but I think that's a, a good value it's pick where right he there. Should go. What's that? It's definitely where he should go, I think, right now in drafts. It's, you know, ahead of Chris Carson, ahead of – I think ahead of Damian Williams and Josh Jacobs. And, you know, maybe he could have gone ahead of Aaron Jones. Um, but, I think he should, yeah. in my personal opinion. But I wouldn't fa- – like, like this kid Mike who took Aaron Jones ahead of him, I'm not going to fault him for it. I just think that Aaron Jones – see, the problem with a lot of these running backs um, in this in this tier, in this area, you have Damian Williams, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, you know, like Aaron Jones you got an injury history with. It's been the last two years in a row he's missed a lot of games to injury, but he's been efficient when he's been on the field and he plays for the Packers. So I understand the upside here. Um, I just don't know that Aaron Jones, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, all these guys, I don't know – if they're really that good of pass catchers, that's quite, quite frankly, why I don't like these guys. Um, and that's why I'll take carry on Johnson over them. I know carry on Johnson is a very good pass catcher. They cut Theo Riddick for a reason. Yeah. Carry on Johnson is a do it all, all purpose back in the making. So this could be a steal. You're talking about a guy that could end up being a first round pick next year. Okay. That's why I like carry on Johnson in this area. Um, yes, he got hurt last year, whatever. That doesn't mean he's injury prone. He was a, he was a rookie last year. You know what I mean? You got one injury, so what? Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Um, and he's healthy now. Aaron Jones, healthy now, fine. But I just think that I don't know if Aaron Jones is that great of a pass catcher. He doesn't. He doesn't. He hasn't proved that he is yet. Uh, you know, it looks like. What do you have? Twenty uh, something catches last year, or thirty something catches last Around year, something there, like that. Yeah. Yes, he didn't play a full season, but I don't know if he's going to be that guy that gets you 50, 60 catches in a season. Leonard Fournette, I know, isn't a great pass catcher. He's okay, but he's not great. Uh, so I don't like the fact of relying on a running back that just can run the ball, especially on an offense like Jacksonville that isn't very good, quite frankly. I know Nick Foles is there now, but they're just going to be a team that plays defense, and they're going to give the feed Fournette a lot. That's where you're going to make your money on Fournette, the volume. But the volume is mostly going to be on the ground. I don't think he's going to do too, too much through the air. Um, same thing goes for uh, Damian Williams. He looked great in the passing game last year. Don't get me wrong. But that's because he came out of nowhere. And that's because this Chiefs offense has so many weapons to deal with. You know, you're going to forget about Damian Williams. But people aren't going to forget about Damian Williams this year. No. I don't think he's going to receive the passing down work that, that people think he is this year. I don't think he's the value people think he is this year. So um, I'm just not on Damian Williams like that. I could be wrong, but already Andy Reid said he's going to have a committee. And Andy Reid doesn't do committees. So that's already a red flag. Uh, this kid, Darwin Thompson's coming up. He looks fantastic. I, I think a lot of Damian Williams' work is going to be stolen, uh, and I think he's not going to—he might not live up to that third-round value. Um, like I said, I could be wrong about it. All these guys have their good, their positives to them. Like, but I just think that Carryon Johnson is the most likely and the safest to become a solid RB two with the upside of an RB one. 
these other guys I don't think are as safe. I think on Johnson is as safe as it gets. Who's going to take his touches? C.J. Anderson? Yeah, of course C.J. Anderson is going to get his touches. But like I said, every running back is getting 60% to 70% of the touches if you're a lead runner. Of course someone else is going to take touches away from you. That's just the way the game is today. Uh, they don't want their running backs burnt out by the end of the season, these teams. So there's always going to be another running back involved. My thing is, on Johnson has all the makings and the confidence from the team. Another team who's pronounced it, that are professing their dedication to the run. So that's another positive for on Johnson. And everything on Johnson did last year was all positive things, through the air and on the ground. So I'm all in on him. He got hurt, like, like we said. That's why he's in this tier. But, you know, it's not a thing that's been a reoccurring problem for him. And he's healthy now. So I'm buying into that. And I could say that you stole my pick, but you were four picks ahead of me, so I don't even know if Carryon Johnson would have made it to me uh, <laughs> at the sixth spot of the third round. And you mentioned the Chiefs' offense and Damian Williams, and while Damian Williams did catch, I think it was a 62-yard uh, like screen pass from Patrick Mahomes in their last preseason yes, game against mm-hmm. the 49ers, so people he was might wide open. But... Yeah, so and people might be like, oh, you know, he's in he's in the passing game. Patrick Mahomes threw to him. So I, but I still wouldn't. I take that with a, a grain of salt. I don't think that that would mean so much in like that he would get six targets a game because I don't think that's very realistic. And I do think that they will run a committee, so his value isn't all there, especially for the third round. But for my pick of the third round is something that I did not expect to do, and mm-hmm. something that I have never done ever playing fantasy football, and that's to be the first person to take a quarterback off the board, and that was Patrick Mahomes. Um, I like it. Yeah, I saw I saw Zach Ertz was there and Stefan Diggs, and I contemplated both of them. And for the tight end position, I figured maybe I'd wrap around in the fifth or sixth round and grab a Hunter Henry, O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, which I did. I ended up getting Evan Ingram, so I was very happy Great about pick, that. Yeah. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes, I don't know. I, I saw him there, and I said, I know there's no chance I would get him in the fourth round. I know that there's going to be regression uh, but I don't think it's going to be as much regression as everyone says. Obviously, we talked about this on the last podcast. But, yeah, I mean, that Chiefs offense is just, it's ridiculous. And, you know, they add McCole Hardman. It's just a, all speed there. Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill. You have Travis Kelsey. You have all these running backs, and some of them can catch the ball. So, And Patrick Mahomes can move. If he needed to rush for a little bit, he could. He's not immobile. So I definitely think that above and beyond, obviously, as everyone says, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback available, and I just could not pass up on it. But another quarterback I was high on going into the season is no longer playing football. And that was news that broke over the weekend that I don't think many people saw coming. And that's Andrew Luck retiring from the NFL. I think that, you know, we were some of the first people to text each other, I think, as soon as this news happened, because it was just absolutely shocking. (laughs) And this put, I think, a damper on a lot of the fantasy value of the Colts and just the Colts season in general. Um, With my wraparound pick in the fourth round, I took T.Y. Hilton and, Mm -hmm. you know, Marlon Mack. That's still a good pick. I know. And yeah, I was going to get your thoughts on, you know, how do you feel about drafting Colts players right now with Luck gone and Brissett in? It's a good question. So there's a lot to touch on here because uh, I did want to talk about your Pat Mahomes pick. Okay. Also. We'll start Do with you that. want me to go start with the Colts first? Let's start with Patrick Mahomes because I want to hear what you have to say. All right. So your pick at 3-6, uh, Pat Mahomes, I like it because 
you know, listen, I, I'm not against, like you said, I'm not against taking uh, uh, Pat Mahomes in the third round. I know it, it might seem high in the sense that, you know, you could wait on quarterback and that's really the golden rule. But this is a guy that's special. We said that he is going to probably regress, but he's still probably going to be QB one or two. So, uh, you know, I have, I'm, I have nothing wrong with that. Now, that being said, though, I'm looking at your team. And so you had Mixon at this point and you had Devontae Adams. And I know you like wide receivers and you like to go wide receiver heavy. I personally probably would have took Stefan Diggs at this point because I think that's a value. I think at three, six, Stefan Diggs is a steal. Um, but he went three, eight. So gang green, uh, one of your boys, gang green ended up getting Stefan Diggs at three, eight. I think that's a great pick there. Uh, and I would have personally did that at three, six, but I'm not against also taking Pat Mahomes there. You just have to adjust your, you know, your draft plan. You you get your wide receivers later, and that's it. Um, but uh, that's all I really got to say about that. I think that it's really just a good, it's a good pick. Um, I have nothing against it. Pat Mahomes, just a special player. He could do he could do throws on the run that nobody else can. And like you said, that offense is great. Once again, I'll say that about Daniel Damian Williams too. I don't think it's a a bad pick at three nine. I think it's actually a good pick at three nine. But there's things about Williams that worry me. He could end up going off, and I could be wrong about him. But I just don't trust everything about it yet. I think there's just, just a lot of mouths to feed in Kansas City. But, of course, everybody wants a piece of Kansas City yeah, which as an offense that explodes. I definitely felt comfortable taking Patrick Mahomes, knowing that he is in the best offense of the league. And being at the sixth pick and right in the middle, uh, definitely in like the rounds five and six, when I like a lot of those wide receivers, I was fine if people wanted to start a quarterback run that I could just grab some of the guys that I like there. So, Taking Patrick Mahomes, I definitely think, for me, was the best pick available. Thank you to all the Sony Plus listeners for tuning in to yet another episode of Shane Sports in New York Plus. Be sure to check out part two of my draft breakdown recap with the closer, Chris Ventra, coming this Sunday morning.